0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Penny, and I'm the senior pastor here. Uh, it's good to be with you. Good to see you. Um, and this morning uh, we are continuing our sermon series for the summer in the uh, Old Testament Psalms. So we are going to be looking at Psalm ninety-eight. Uh, so we have this week and next week, and then uh, after that we will be done with the Psalms for this summer. And we'll start a new series uh, in September looking at the book of Joshua. So you have that to look forward to in a couple weeks. We'll be starting that book. But this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 98. And Psalm 98 is an anonymous psalm. Um, Hey, I'm getting some feedback. Can you turn me down a little? Thank you. Can you all still hear me okay? Okay, great. Thanks. That's that's better. Thank you. I appreciate it. So Psalm 98 is an anonymous psalm. We don't know who wrote it. Um, It's also a praise psalm, and I imagine that when we think of the psalms, when you think about what we would uh, find in the psalms, you would expect this is where your your mind goes to, like psalms that invite us to sing, to praise, to glory in God, and, and invite others to do that. That's probably where you go in your minds, and rightfully so. There are a number of praise psalms. And that's what this psalm is doing. It's encouraging us. It's calling us as God's people, and not just as God's people, but but it's calling us and encouraging all of the world to join in singing praise and glory to our God. So let's follow along. Psalm 98, a psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and ask that you would take us by the hand and lead us in the way that we are to go, that you would open our eyes, that we would see the beauty of your gospel, that we would know your truth, your grace, your mercy, and we would give you the praise you deserve. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, in 1704, a Scottish politician by the name of Andrew Fletcher, Andrew Fletcher was... Uh, a man who is seeking to lead uh, the Scottish independent movement. So Scottish uh, independence was what he was desiring and looking for, and he used his power, his influence. He, He tried to use his place as a politician to try and win this independence. In 1704, Andrew Fletcher said this. He said, Let me write the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. Let me write the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. Okay, think about that now. Scottish, uh, Scottish independent Andrew Fletcher, seeking to win independence, a man who actually was engaged in the making of laws, who would no doubtedly want to use the legal system to try and win independence. But what did he say? Let me write the songs of a nation. You see, what he was stating and what he understood and what he was saying explicitly is what we know implicitly. That songs capture and mold our imaginations and attitudes about life. Right? That songs often are the appropriate response to the emotions, the ideas, the the thoughts that grow within us. Right? Sadness and joy, hope and change. That, that oftentimes there is a soundtrack to our lives when it comes to these occasions, right? For m- most of us, we hear a song, and we can be taken back to another time in our life, right? A, a time of fondness, or, or maybe a time of difficulty, a time of sorrow, or maybe a time of joy, right? But, but regardless of where we are taken back, regardless of what event we remember, we... We hear a song and it, it stirs our memories and emotions, right? We know this. We've all experienced it. It's, it's why athletes will often, before a big game, be seen with their ear pods in, right? Their earpods and, and they're listening to music to prepare themselves, to get them ready, right? To, to get pumped up for the game that they're about to engage in. It's why, for some of us, when it's gray and dreary outside and it's rainy and cold, it, it just seems appropriate to listen to the cure, right? Or, or why Taylor Swift has gotten many people through a bad breakup. Or if you're like me, when you get on a plane, you just naturally turn to Sufjan Stevens. But no one else does that. <laughs> it's just me. Sorry. But the point is, is that music and song, they're, they're tied to the important times in our lives, aren't they? That, that we all have that song, right, that reminds us of our wedding day, or reminds us of a breakup, or reminds us of a birthday, or it's the song that we sing and we hum when, when things are just going well song returns us it it stirs our emotions it is often the best way for us to express ourselves we sing you know that i know it we do these very things and and it's because this reality that the psalmist says sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord a new song now now, before we get further into the psalm, let me just say that, that by looking just at that first verse, this is where I, as the pastor, could maybe be kind of lay the guilt trip on you, you know? This is where you guys need to be singing more, and more robustly, and stronger, and louder, and all these stories. I'm not going to do that, though. But, but, you know, I do notice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just playing with you (laughs) No, but uh, before we do dive deeper into the psalm I I do want to note two things that we see right away in this verse The first is the expectation that god's people are going to be a singing people right that whether when you are, whether you are self-conscious about your ability to sing or not that that the expectation is that when we gather for worship and we come together as God's people that we would join our voices together to sing that we're to be a singing people but but the other thing is that we should expect that we would sing new songs now now, this doesn't mean we cast out the old, right? I mean, we've already sung some hymns and we're going to sing some other hymns, right? We don't put those aside. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we just kick those to the curb and we just forget those songs that, we, that were written hundreds or even thousands of years ago. No, there's something to us joining our voices together with the saints of the past and singing those songs. And we should expect... That as the gospel goes forth, that as people come into the church, that gifts would be used and songs would be written. Right? We don't have this generational snobbishness that, that the 17th, 18th, and 19th century European hymnody is the be-all and end-all of church music. No, we sing those songs, but we also sing new songs sing new songs because we are a singing people. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Okay, let's get into the rest of the passage now, the rest of the psalm. The psalm tells us who are those who sing. Who who is it that sings? Well, there are three groups of singers in this psalm. We see it in verses 1 through 3. It's Israel. God's people are to be the ones who sing. In verses 4 through 6, we see the nations, all of the earth, those outside of Israel, are called on to sing. And then in verses 7 through 9, the creation itself, the world that God has made, it sings. Now, the first two singers, that should not surprise us, right, Israel? It shouldn't surprise us that Israel is called on to sing because we actually see this throughout the Old Testament. That, that throughout the Old Testament, as God has dealt with his people, as he's shown grace and mercy and kindness to them, that on these different occasions and times, Israel was called on and couldn't contain their singing. Right? This is what they did. They sang. But it's not just Israel, it's also the nations, right? The, the earth we know is the Lord's and all who dwell in it. And so the natural expectation is that the nations, the ends of the earth, would join with Israel in singing praise to the Lord. The first two don't surprise us. But maybe the last one's a little strange to us. That creation sings? Maybe that seems odd. But listen to what the psalmist says in verses 7 through 8. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. The world and those who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. So you see what the psalmist is helping us to do and and to see that, that, that there is more to the creation than simply the foam that appears as the wave crashes. And that that there is more going on than simply the water rolling over the rock. Or, or there is more than just a hill ahead of us that makes our hike a little more difficult. Actually, the way that the psalmist sees these things is that they erupt in praise. That the hills and the sea and the rivers and the birds sing to our God. Dana Tierney, a number of years ago, writing in the New York Times magazine. At the time, was not a believer. I don't know if she has come to faith since then, but she was making this observation. She said, my friends and relatives who rely on God, the real believers, not just the churchgoers, they have an expansiveness of spirit. When they walk along a stream, they don't just see water falling over rocks. The sight fills them with ecstasy. They see a realm of hope beyond this world. I just see a babbling brook. I don't get the message. I love her honesty. I love her observation. I love the fact that she is reflective, not just of what she experiences, but but this different experience that her friends, her family, who who are believers experience. She doesn't get the message. But what about us? Are the chirps in the morning and the hum of the hummingbird, are they but distractions and white noise in the background of our day? Is the rising of the sun simply a way of telling us that the day has begun? Are the stars in the night sky, are they ways of just telling us that it's time to go to bed? Or is the roar of the sea and the jumping of the fish and the opening of the flower and the fruit on the vine are these expressions of the creation giving glory to God. You see, what the psalmist is telling us is that the creation is teeming with song. He's expanding our wonder and he's enlivening our imaginations to see that the birds chirping and the uh, the leaves that that are rustling are actually clapping, are applauding, are celebrating and giving praise to our God. The psalmist is telling us that God's glory is so abundant, it is so great that it's not enough. For just his people and for the nations to sing. But creation joins in that song. That's a con- consistent theme throughout the Psalms. It's a consistent thing that we hear. But, but it's not just a consistent theme in, our, in the Psalms. It's a consistent theme in our songs. In our hymns. In just a few moments after the sermon. We're going to sing all creatures of our God and King. And we're going to hear, and we're going to sing, and we're going to say to one another and to the Lord, all creatures, men and women, praise him. Hallelujah. But we're also going to sing of the rushing wind and the flowing water and all creatures. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah, right? That's what we're going to sing. Oh, praise him. All creatures join together in singing to him. And it's not just all creatures of our God and King, but at Advent, at Christmas, right? What do we sing? Joy to the world. Written by Isaac Watts based on this psalm. It wasn't actually originally written for Advent and for Christmas. Now it's appropriate that we sing it then. But what do we sing when we sing that song? While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Let heaven and nature sing. All that is created by God, join together and sing to him. That's who sings. The nations, Israel, the creation itself. Okay, so why is it that we sing? If that's the who that sings, what's the reason that we sing? Well, we sing because God saves. Look at verses 1 through 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel, All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. That's the story of Israel, isn't it? That's the story of God's Old Testament people, that God has saved them, and he did it time and again. Right? He delivered them from Egypt and rescued them from bondage. He protected them as they went into the land. He protected them against the foreign warring nations and he rescued them from exile. time and again the story of Israel is the story of God delivering and rescuing them and what do they do? They sing right right after the exodus they've been delivered, they've been rescued. God has defeated Pharaoh and his armies and what do? Moses and Miriam do? They lead the people of God in praise. They sing for them a new song of deliverance, of rescue. That is the salvation that God accomplished, the marvelous things that he has done, and he does them not just for Israel, he does them for us. Look at verses 4 through 6. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, Break forth into joyous song and sing praises, sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Now when the Old Testament speaks of the nations, it's speaking of all the other people other than Israel. There's Israel and then there's the world. There's Israel and then there's the Gentiles. There's Israel and then there are the nations. And Israel was the people, they were the people who first received the promises of God, but those promises were to extend. The scope of salvation was to spread into all the earth. It was the expectation that the nations would be blessed. It was never supposed to be contained to a single person or a single people or a single bit of land in the Middle East. But the expectation in the Old Testament is that the gospel would go forth, God's grace and deliverance would spread into all the earth. That was the promise made to Abraham that God would make him a blessing. That God would bless him and make him a blessing so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. It was the hope of Isaiah that one day would come when the nations would be presented before the Lord. That is the hope and the promise of the prophets, of the patriarchs, of all those of the Old Testament. And that promise and hope have become a reality. They have become a reality for us. You see, we are the nations. We are those Gentiles. We are those people who are the people now of promise. Because in Christ, we're told that in his death and resurrection, Jesus tore down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. And in Christ, the gospel goes forth into all the world, declaring salvation to all peoples, not just to Israel, not just to Americans, not just to Asians or Africans, but to all peoples, the gospel extends so that those who know his grace would be recipients of that grace. And we are those recipients, aren't we? We are the nations, the Gentiles who have been saved. Christ came into the world to save us from our sin, to deliver us from judgment. Y'all, that is why we sing. When we gather here on a Sunday, we don't come just because we like to sing. We don't come just because we have musical talent or ability. We don't use those just so that people would applaud. No, we come because we have been saved. We sing praise to our God because of what he has done. Jesus came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. And the curse of sin resides in us. But Christ took that curse on himself and he brought salvation to us. That is why we sing. That is why we make a joyful noise before Christ our King. We sing because of deliverance that came of old. We sing because of rescue that we know ourselves and we sing because he's coming again. That's the judgment to come. We see it in verses 8 through 9. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. You see, what the psalmist is telling us is that the creation itself is looking forward to a day when the Lord will return. This sounds a lot like Romans 8, doesn't it? Not too long ago, we were in the book of Romans, right? We were studying through it in the morning, and in Romans 8, the apostle Paul says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation <clears throat> excuse me that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of god for the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now you see what scripture tells us is that the curse That the the ramifications of the fall, that it's not just we who feel it and experience it, but the creation itself feels it. That the creation is weighed down by the burdens of Adam and Eve's rejection of God. That it feels the groaning of sin, that it feels the weight of it. And so the creation itself looks forward. Because in the day when Jesus returns, he will come and judge that curse. Those who don't know him, those who are not resting in his grace, they will experience his judgment. Jesus doesn't let sin go by. He doesn't let it go unpunished. But those who know his salvation, those who have been in bondage to sin and subjected to futility, not just we, but the creation itself will experience relief. Will experience relief because in his coming, Christ is making all things new. All things new in our lives and in the earth. A new heaven and a new earth. That is what he does in his returning. It's kind of like in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Right? That wonderful story by C.S. Lewis. You remember the line, the, the land of Narnia has been under. Winter and cold, right? For years, for decades, for hundreds of years, right? It has only been winter with no Christmas. But when Aslan returns, right? The Christ figure, that beautiful lion, that powerful lion, when he returns, what happens? The winter begins to give way to spring. The snow begins to melt, right? That, that the land is released, From the frozen cold, and the flowers begin to bloom, and the birds begin to chirp, and the rivers that were once frozen over flow with streams of water. When he returns, all creation sings. Creation and we will sing because Christ is returning. And he is making all things new. And when we sing in that day, it will be a glorious song. But even now, as we long for that day, as we look forward to hearing that song, even now we sing because even now we know the marvelous things the Lord has done, how by his right hand and his holy arm, he has worked salvation for us. And so as God's people, we join with the nations and we join with creation and we sing. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have delivered us, that you have rescued us, that you have freed us from the bondage of sin and you have made us your own. And for that, for that salvation, for that rescue, for that deliverance, we sing to you. We give you the praise and glory that you are due. And we ask that even now as we sing of the salvation that has come, that we would long for that day when you would return. And in your returning, we will sing a new song, a song of rejoicing and celebration, that Christ our King has come and his kingdom will know no end. And so, Father, let us look forward to that day, longing for Jesus' return, and until he comes, fill our mouths with song. And We pray all this in Christ's name and God's people said together, Amen.